Welcome to Choreographing the City. Morning Conversations, part of the artistic residency of choreographer and Teatro Mundi fellow Dr. Adeshola Akinley. Hosted by Professor Gedimina Urbonas at MIT's Art, Culture and Technology program and supported by MIT Center for Art, Science and Technology. Akinley's residency explores emerging lexicons across dance making and city making through choreographing the city. In this podcast, Akinley and Urbonas are joined by guests in a series of eight morning conversations. In this first episode, we discuss discovery, togetherness, bridges, and power within choreographing and engineering with Dr. Ellie Cosgrave, lecturer in urban innovation and policy at UCL Department of Science, Technology, Engineering, and Public Policy, and co-director of the Urban Innovation and Policy Lab. I think I should just say that what we're doing in this class, and, and in, in fact, the subtitle, Choreographing the City, continues and adds to the work that you've been working, already engaging at the Shola Teatro Mundi in London. Uh, and the reason for our collaboration with the Shola is, is really to look at the emerging lexicon for the movement in urban space uh, that could connect potentially ideas shared across dance making or what we call in choreography. And here we have very interesting discussion with Adeshola as artist, as this particular workshop is looking into, into the artistic methodologies. You know? So how artists, and in this case, Adeshola as a dancer, would push uh, the choreographic thinking from her perspective, while uh, myself as a visual artist, you know, we have architects, uh, urban planners in the, in the course how they're looking at choreography, choreographic thinking and choreographic force, you know, from their perspective. So here we're trying to sort of like massage this idea of emerging lexicon for urban planning, as we have a lot of other lexicons, you know, administrative, there is bureaucratic uh, lexicon that takes over the discourse and the discussion about the infrastructure. So we're trying to sort of like claim that or reclaim that uh, by, by suggesting uh, artistic intelligence, you know, by trying to uh, intervene with artistic intelligence and think of some new emerging forms. Dr. Ellie Cosgrove wrote an article choreographing the city, asking about how engineering and dance can support each other, but particularly how choreography could enhance a sense of engineering in terms of developing the city. And there's so much that you've done. I've got so much admiration for the work you've done and that you're doing. We sort of agreed that we'd have the conversation and then we'd kind of unpack a little bit afterwards. Does that still sound okay for you? Yes, that sounds great. So we're going to dive in with a question that I'm, I'm really interested in, which is about the notion of discovery um, and how discovery, particularly like what we've just been doing with movement, there can be a sense that with discovery comes ownership. Shall I say a bit more about that or do you want to respond to that? 
I can I can go. All right, go ahead. I mean, I'm just remembering. I mean, it's one of those situations where we're where we've had a a start of this conversation sort of off screen, but then we decided we've got enough content here. So so trying not to replicate that conversation, but have have a fresh um, conversation. Um, but of course, it's been percolating in my mind since last week. Um, when we were talking, so when we're talking about discovery and ownership, it's, um, there is always an issue where something is revealed to me about something in the world through my investigation. And then it feels like it's mine and it's special and it's sacred to me because I just found out about it. And therefore it becomes us. And I think even in performance, we do that. We need to kind of say, well, I've discovered this and now I need to be in control of how you see that within me. And we can say that, you know, ownership of that idea, experience, excludes, firstly, <laughs> that, well, it excludes other opportunities from being able to grow out but it also, in some sense, erases the long history of that thing having existed. In your encountering of it, something new is created, um, but that's not the thing. There was a, there was a legacy. So, so what we start to see then is where power is not equally held. And when we say this is ours, are we extracting power and privilege from it for our own purposes? And yet, I don't think we can ignore that the, the power that each, the observed the, and the observer or the object and the person who's newly interacting, I don't think we can ignore the power that kind of pulses out and the fact that there is interest or um, as an observer or as someone who's discovering something new, I have an intention. If I have more power, then I have more power to realize that intention. So how do we negotiate that truth is interesting inquiry. It, it resonates with the idea of making things. So when we're kind of making the city or making a dance or making something where it feels like a very delicate space between finding a relationship with something and then insisting that everybody else has the same relationship, your discovery of that thing and facilitating that thing that you're making to be in relationship with other things. And I think that's where the power is, isn't it? That the, the does the power sit in um, energy being put into allowing a relationship with something that you're making or with, insisting that the relationship you have with it is uh, directs other people's relationship with it i think i think um that's something that from an engineering perspective or from the perspective of people who deem themselves to be curating or designing certainly the physical environment through which people will live their lives that an engineering perspective inherently has a view about what will be good, optimal, um, and also has quite a lot of power in terms of the scale at which 
we uh, we or des urban designers can leverage resources to create that world and often what we don't acknowledge as urban designers are all of those inherent philosophies of who gets to do what and what we don't do well at understanding the meaning that we create when we for example decide that pedestrians need to go there and therefore we'll put up a wall we don't make clear or we don't interrogate personally what the assumptions are inherent in that it's just a sort of normative good because they don't get run over carrying on with that idea of discovery then when you come across a new way of thinking there seems to be some kind of um implied knowledge about this new way of that this this new thing that you've discovered that because you've discovered it that now somehow you have some authority about explaining it and um i'm thinking about finding new not new because we're calling it we're calling that new because i'm doing it by saying new but alternative um responses say to the environment that maybe are non-western or that have a sort of a female centered and that that um, they can be uh, sort of truncated already by somebody coming across that and uh, shutting it down to the to be the limitation of their new experience of it so obviously if someone else has been sitting with that for some time they can see more of the, that thing's potential if you've only just come across it and and then assume that therefore you can you have some kind of authority over it you can shut down the possibility quite quickly and and uh, obviously i'm again i will all mostly be coming from an engineering perspective as i'm talking but there is some inherent paradigm in the way that we're taught as engineers that things have to be useful so we're always looking you like without challenging it uh, for the utility of any given thing let's say that we come across and if that thing is something interesting about dance practice or it's something interesting about somebody's experience of the city then if we can utilize it for our own purposes great happy days rather than to sit with it for its own to encounter it for its own thing that we can can engage with and often there's not time for these more expansive open-ended experiences again partly because we operate on project basis and we need to prove the utility of any project before we've started so it's either this kind of idea of utility and usefulness of any given outside object opens up or closes down possibilities very quickly yeah do you want to say something around the assumed needs that that idea of utility of what how useful is something it comes before the the asserting that something's useful there's a kind of set of defined or invisible needs then that we're assuming this thing is useful for and i think it's that that space isn't it that you've been kind of trying to excavate a little bit yeah, I think I think the words word that I use rather than needs are kind of unspoken assumptions about what is about what how the world works. 
So that is, um, does it help me do it faster, better, even more equitably or more interestingly? You kind of have to define in key parameters the change that you're going to hope to create or see in the world. And usefulness is not just defined in very expansive ways. So it wouldn't be to do with meaning, a usefulness to say, well, I feel more wonder. You might get away with something like that, but you'd have to codify it. Well, what does wonder mean? <laughs> and it would have to be quite reductionist. So raised heartbeat or um, slower breathing, I don't know. So it, we are very much trained that what we, the ways in which we practice inform what we do. It's interesting because the way I pitch the work that I do with choreographers into, back into the engineering community, now I'm thinking about it quite um, colonial. <laughs> I'm, I kind of use the ways in, yeah, I say, I say, how can we appropriate dance practice for engineering design purposes? So it's to say, how, how are the ways in which dance practitioners um, see the world, play, uh, interact with, engage the world, find meaning in the world? How is that useful? You know, how can we adapt and, yeah, appropriate, change, co-opt <laughs> uh, for, for some better way of, of doing engineering? And I don't even use better because they have a problem with that as well, because we know best. Could you say uh, some more about that in terms of the power over and the power to do something? Yes. Yeah, so um, th when, when we're considering, well, in my, in my mind, that the kind of two pulsating, powerful entities who interact with each other, let's say one is, dance practice and one is engineering practice. Given the fact that we, that each has an, its own intention and its own needs, desires, wants, um, and both have certain powers, I feel what makes our power in the world as problematic or damaging is when we use the power to um gain to sub make others submiss submissive or uh, to our own power so that is where our power is used to control coerce to our own uh, own needs and advantages um where, so it becomes power over something rather than power to engage expand make more efficient if that's what you want to do um, so the interaction becomes interesting and powerful when it's power to, if it's power over, it's always going to be exclusionary or oppressive. And, and I can see how the way I frame the choreographing the city work long term is actually probably, well, maybe it's power to. <laughs> you know, this is our first sort of morning conversation. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to unpick is, is, um, how we come together or, or how we encounter each other. And that's how the, the discovery part comes into that. And then what you're saying about power to and power over, at what point do we 
how do we know uh, when when to allow something to shift us and not just uh, notice it and kind of feed it into our system so that it becomes a part of what you were trying to change in the first place rather than um, something else. So there's, there's this kind of delicate moment, isn't there, of, 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 um, of interaction when something could be discovered, but how do we avoid owning the discovery or losing that discovery? And this is what's been such a pleasure for me because this was, it was 2016 when I first decided that I, I will properly put some heart, soul, energy, time into doing choreographing the city, as I call it. Um, and I have in no way been the heart and soul of it as it's, as it's gone on, but I've been at had many encounters and engagements of people who see entirely different things in it than I ever imagined intended um, that has shifted me and has made me able to see myself better and to be able to uh, I have seen through the process of, of where other people have taken it particularly you Adashola to actually see how it circles back to you know, where I, where it came from within me. Could you say a little bit more about what you've been doing in those, you know, since that I've said it, but just so everyone knows that um, Ellie and, um, and John Bingham Hall uh, wrote a sort of article that began some research and that's how I met you um, yeah. through that. And then I, I kind of took on trying to hold that space for a little bit through my fellowship and, and meanwhile, you've been doing other things as well. So would you say a bit more about what, what you've been doing with your work? Yes. Yeah, so um, so it, came, it came out for me with a frustration of the limited ways in which we're allowed to, we're allowed to be engineers. Um, and the frustration that nothing radical was happening and we've got a climate crisis and we've got um, um, inequality that engineers are told we're going to solve yet we still carry on extracting fossil fuels and building aeroplanes and airports and we're quite happy with it. But we're very much told from an educational point of view that you know, you're the guys <laughs> um, who are gonna sort it out. But we seem to have no innovation in our methodology, epistemologies about who we are in the world and what we, how we want to challenge it. And as I also in, am a, and I'm a dancer as a hobby and have a deep passion for, and joy of dancing. I really understood how um, dance making is an incredibly often rigorous creative process with comparable um, goals and aspirations in terms of um, creating something, dealing with movement, dealing with the laws of physics and etc. And that there might be something interesting for dance makers to reveal to us about, there you go, reveal to us, <laughs> about, um, about what is possible. Um, and so, yes, we wrote this first paper, which really discusses a theoretical foundation where, where has dance making and city making intersected over the past, I think, maybe maximum 100 years. And we decided let's go out in the city and explore that. So we brought together pairs of people, one person representing dance practice and one per person 
representing engineering or built environment design. We took them at the same time to a specific part of the city, a specific place in the city to answer three questions. One, was, the first was, what do you see? And we, we asked people to notate what they saw in the um, language of notation that they use in their practice. The second question was, what, what are the possibilities for this space? So we were interested then in what was, at what scale people were interested in, in altering the, the city, what kinds of things that they think they could change about the place, and then to start designing that intervention so we could see how people transitioned from observation through to possibilities and then into practice. And then we took people back into meeting room and we had a discussion for a couple of hours and we ran that four or five times um, to, to start to see where are the, the kind of possibilities within that. And that was super exciting. I mean, we're still, I mean, that was quite a long time ago and we're still <laughs> digging into that, that material and finding new, new things in it. Um, and then over the last few years have continued to host discussions and workshops around that theme often getting engineers dancing, which has been um, amazing to see their reflections on what it means to be a body and designing with the body rather than um, being a brain designing for bodies. And of course, Alshoda's residency, then sort of really taking that into a philosophical and dance practice and it's been a privilege for me to see how you've how you've taken those ideas and worked with them and to see your process of making movement in the studio and the way in which you flip between um, ideas philosophies and and the things I think and personal things you contend with in your own life and history and how that relates to making work that's been um, very revealing and has and has added a lot of meaning uh in a in a way that i certainly didn't intend and is certainly not mine <laughs> and what what i think is uh, so alive about this idea is how much people take something unexpected that i haven't expected and they say oh that makes total sense because and then of, uh, we'll insert something that I hadn't thought of before but the other strand of my work is around justice and particularly gender and women's safety or women's experience of the city I had um, seen those two projects as quite um, separate but as it's evolved and as as well as I show you've been taking it into much more of an understanding of our, our um, meaning in our bodies, how these ideas of a kind of disrupting, for want of a better word, like colonial or colonized control over, over bodies. But of course as well, feminism is about bodies <laughs> and to be able to kind of create meaning uh, to see those connections and, and start to integrate that work and think and starting to think about an ability of a dance 
maker to have insight into where they, where dance makers are often the me, the the interface between meaning and philosophy and the physical form so it's where they meet is super interesting to me and we don't do that as engineers what we get critiqued by social scientists we don't and probably don't read that <laughs> critique and so it's interesting to me how actually as designers we might start to embody philosophies in a much more um, intentional and philosophical way that actually has an impact well in, in practice and in our praxis moving forward from that um, you know that I've got I've I love this idea of moment that we've spoken about before it might be nice to kind of finish off with with um, this exploration of moment how did that come about? Did we talk about that in rehearsal or? I think it was that um, I asked you, what are, what are some fundamental ideas in engineering? We started talking about weight um, because I see dance as being about weight, about a kind of play with gravity, that dance is, dance is about um, narrating the gravity, the gravitational pull on ourselves or narrating our changes of weight. So it was it, I sort of asked you about what that was and you talked about moments um so just just it might be that we repeat something that we've said before but I what I think is really beautiful about that is that my interest in, in from a dance perspective and my sort of philosophical um methodologies I guess of it trend of a transactional world is that dance can allow you to have a sense of nowness to be in the moment to to be be in transaction with the moment so like just now as we were doing movements with our elbows there are you can come across an experience where the edge of you and the the sort of intention of what you're doing and the environment around become indistinguishable or not they're not important edges so there's this sense of the wholeness of the moment um, that I'm always interrogating in my in my dance practice and then your description of moment I don't know if you want to have yours <laughs> so moment is force a force so that might be uh, it's 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 weight which has both mass and direction um, times distance so uh, um, uh, something that has uh, a greater distance, the same way at a greater distance will have a greater moment, which means that its effect is is bigger. So, if I push down here with the same uh, with the same force, they push down here. It's easier to resist because the moment is bigger when it's further away. Um, and I and um, I think a really great example of engineers playing with forces and playing with moment is bridges and and the way it, the that's why i love bridges the most um we can create like illusions of of lightness and and freedom when we when we play when we play with moments at different different areas i feel that somewhere there's these we're talking about the same thing in in a sense so although they seem quite distant like the the sort of you know the the 
the moment of whether this bit of the building should be here or here because of the the weight but that moment what what they what you call a moment which is that join it seems to somehow reflect the full nowness of a, what i would you know what i could call a dance moment mm -hmm. so somehow this kind of coming together and it kind of circles back to the beginning of the conversation this 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 encounter that everything is that encounter for that moment um mm -hmm. and how we approach those encounters or how we recognize their existence as um as not something that is shut down before it has before it exists i think that's the sort of that seems to be the philosophical question that we're sort of exploring in a dance or in designing something like how does how does an encounter become live in the in-betweenness of mm -hmm. approach of it I suppose and I, I I think it's interesting we started with gyrotonics as well today because that is because moment is all about rotation there's a force acting at a distance so it's about managing or nego negotiating um, rotation and it's also I think when I first started being introduced to engineering design, I was fascinated by the fact that we are not designing a static thing. We are designing for something to live over time. And, you know, just, just to go back to my favorite subject of bridges, that when we're building a bridge, we have to consider how we'll make it stable at all phases of the construction. So while the end goal might be possible to build, we might never be able to do it because we have to find a, we can't just make it all appear at once and then all the weight is, is in the right place. We have to say, well, we'll put the piers in and make sure that uh, when we put the deck in, it's not gonna fall over or that the piers are able to, to stand up. And so it's this constant negotiation in that case with the bridge with itself. And then as you have vehicles or, or people or wind um, or waves <laughs> interacting with it, it's this constant, will, will I be able to um, move enough so that I don't, I'm not brittle, but not move so much that people or anything falls off. So it is a constant negotiation over, over time. Again, it kind of gets back to when something, when two things are when do they become one thing when how how does something become lost in something else i have this idea that um two doesn't exist you know that that if you have one and another thing then you also have their relationship so that you'll always sort of jump to at least three there's you've got one and two and then the relationship of these two things I think we have a tendency to have one and two and then see how they then they become almost like one thing. So when bringing practices or perspectives together, part of the, the importance of that is that third thing, that the relationship that is created through the coming together, not just emerging or a reminder of difference all the time. So it seems, it feels like a, a you know, a bridge is, 
is is three three at least three spaces not not just a connection between two things absolutely i'm i'm actually i haven't told you but i'm playing with that idea in a in a in another project that i'm doing with a fine artist uh where we're it's, it's called you move me and it's how do how am i moved by the city and how do i in turn move the city so we've been trying to capture ways in which my experience and my life and my my body and my ability my abilities to move are defined and designed by the space that i live in and then also signs that humans have pushed back and that like what does how does that how can we find examples of that within within the city and then of course that the interactions with humans in individual humans where the where the city might become a a vessel that dictates some possibilities for interaction and the artist has been super interested in how alive the city and the underbelly of the city and all of these things that she had never really thought about about like she's quite interested in the sewers and the water flows that it's all happening underground and that it's quite visceral and sometimes explodes out and we get these glimpses of this un underbelly urging splurging which is interesting and it's been interesting to do it as we were the method was really that we were writing to each other over lockdown and seeing what we noticed and especially as we've been socially asked not to move how has that how have we seen that traced in the city Kedaminis, it would be nice to hear your reflections as well. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. I really appreciate, uh, you know, what you open uh, as a proposition towards uh, that, that actually resonates, uh, resonates with, uh, you know, the sort of like the role of the aesthetics uh, that is understood as uh, precisely questioning the arts autonomy, you know, in, uh, so not just sort of like saying that, you know, uh, something for the arts autonomy but precisely that you know role of the aesthetics is to question autonomy of art uh, which leads us to you know, ideas uh, that perhaps uh, speak about uh, conviction that uh, art has a transformative effect uh, that can uh, realize its transformation not only within the domain of culture but beyond the domain of culture uh, and uh, you know meaning the social transformation uh, uh, political transformation, perhaps economic transformation, right? So, uh, and of course, you know, all, all of us, we are uh, living in the world that, uh, that has so many different, uh, well, we are facing challenges, right? So, yeah, so I think, uh, I think it resonated to me, first of all, with this avant-garde legacy uh, of, uh, of the belief uh, that art has uh, the transformative power uh, you know, that aesthetics uh, has a role in uh, questioning the autonomy of art and, um, and, uh, and also something that can be framed as a pragmatic fiction, you know, so we're still retaining. And for me, this idea of pragmatic fiction is interesting because uh, on one hand, you know, we are talking about uh, a heteronomous model, you know, on one hand, we, you know, we're not refusing from the fiction, we're not refusing from imagining, you know, we're not refusing 
uh, from imagining world, you know, imagining alternatives, you know, uh, but, uh, but, we, but we're insisting on pragmatics, right? You know, so we're not completely, you know, like, you know, this, uh, this idea of pragmatics also kind of like resonates uh, partially with also Bruno Latour's uh, evocative call for landing on earth. Uh, you know, we, uh, we have to learn how to land on earth. Uh, so this is my thoughts, you know, that I, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, or resonances, you know, that I was having listening uh, to, to this conversation. I think that's really, really beautiful reflections. And I'm interested in the landing on earth. I, I'm preparing for teaching online uh, next next term and um, reading bell hooks over the weekend um, teaching for transgression and there she talks very much about um, the the interrelationship or how do we get from theory value theory take that as um, a thing in itself that's valuable and and uh, emancipatory truth, as well as praxis or pra or um, intervening or a action, um, and holding those two things as interweaving or inter um, interacting elements that inform each other, and that calls for. The, the, I, I find a lot of in the engineering context, and this is not at the academy, not engineering academics, but where I, when I was a kind of practicing engineer, it, the call would be like, can you stop talking about it? Can we just get on with it and do it? And she has a very interesting perspective and a concern for, for that way of having to root it, maybe landing on earth, I'm not sure, as only one way of finding, finding, or having an impact or understanding the world or, or, or moving forward. And so I think that interaction is really exciting. In dance, you know, we do a lot of practices research and that's sort of a, around the kind of the defending of that. I think there's something around how do you feel how do you feel theory and feeling theory is different from enacting it you know there's this idea that if it's going to be anything than a sort of set of ethereal thoughts then it's going to be acted out but actually there's another space which is how do you feel it in your make meaning of it in the felt sense of your body that hopefully that's what i think that's a set of of skills or or noticings that physical dance practices can bring to the table of a discussion. This podcast is possible thanks to the support of the Center for Art, Science and Technology at MIT 
and the Art, Culture and Technology program, and is done in collaboration with Teatro Mundi. If you want to know more about the class, the program, and all the artists, follow us on Instagram at choreographingthecity underscore MIT, or follow the links provided in your podcast platform. Thank you very much for listening.